Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Tough off-season for a Belmont High School football team by Joanna K. Zavallis. As Jan Kuman, known as Coach Q, began his sixth season as Belmont High School Marauders football coach, he is also battling cancer. Kuman was diagnosed on June 26th with a stage of squalamose cell carcinoma, an oropharyngeal cancer of the tonsils and lymph. Komen said that he had a full neck dissection. 64 lymph nodes and his tonsils were removed. He had two tumors on his tonsil and a lymph node. His last day of radiation treatment was on September the 16th. I'm really grateful to be able to be out here on the field, on the football field, with my guys and coach this game. I'm really lucky to have their support and the support of my staff and family and, uh, and what's been a tough few months, he said. Belmont High School senior captain and receiver Zachary Hubbard said Kuman was like a father figure to him and his teammates. When we, when we all found out he had cancer, it really hit most of us seniors hard because we had known him for four years and we created bonds in the off season and he just knows us so well, he said. Hubbard said it was tough off-season because of what Coach Q had been going through. We worked really hard this off-season, and we're ready to play. We're always the underdog. We're ready to fight, said Hubbard. He said Coach Q's uh, cancer diagnosis and treatment is motivating the team and making them want to put a lot of effort on the field. Coach Q's motto for the Marauders is, In the deed, the glory. It's the last line of a three-part poem. The first two lines read, Not the victory, but the action, and not the goal, but the game. Friends of Belmont football member Kim uh, Rocha said these lines are Coach Q. Through his actions, he is serving as the ultimate role model for these young men through his grit and determination. They are learning that someday the game will be played, the game that they will be playing will no longer be about X's and O's, but about life. Life at times can be challenging, overwhelming, and even unfair. How they play this game will be based on their actions and deeds. If they simply observe Coach Q this season, they will be more than prepared for whatever challenges they face on and off the field, and therein lies the glory, said Rosha. Last year, Belmont High School made the playoffs for the first time in about 20 years, according to Kuman. One of the team's goals was to have a winning record, but he is also glad they were able to accomplish two of their goals, to get to the playoffs and to beat Watertown on Thanksgiving Day. This season, Kuman hopes to build on last year's successes. He refers to his players as a family, the word which is printed on the back of their, this year's practice jerseys. 
Every year is a new year, I say to my col- uh, my coaches. Every year is the best year, said Kuman. He he wants to provide a positive, fun experience for all of his players to learn how to be teammates and brothers and better men. And now over to my colleague Thomas. Thank you, Bob. Belmont Women's Club Celebrating Centennial Anniversary The Belmont Women's Club is gearing up for a very special year. Founded in 1920, the club will be celebrating its centennial anniversary in 2020 and plans to mark the historic event with an impressive lineup of programs and events. To kick off its anniversary year, the Women's Club has invited Barbara Berenson, author of Massachusetts in the Suffrage Movement, to speak about women's historic efforts to win equality and voting rights and the importance of women's clubs in these movements at 7 p.m. on September 26th at the Homer House. Quote, we are very excited to celebrate our 100th year as a club, unquote, said Wendy Murphy, the club's co-president, alongside Maria Papadopoulos. When the club began, Murray added, it was part of a national movement of women's clubs that emerged after the Civil War when women started fighting for the right to vote. Quote, 1920 is an important year for all women, Murphy said, but it's especially important to the women's club, and it's no coincidence that the 19th Amendment was ratified the same year the women's club became an organization. Once enfranchised, women in America became more involved in public life, often by joining clubs and volunteering for community and philanthropic programs. The Belmont Women's Club initially held meetings at each other's homes, where they hosted speakers on art, society, and culture. Club members also volunteered at the polls on voting day, eager to show their enthusiasm for the new roles in American democracy. In 1927, looking to purchase a permanent meeting house, the Women's Club purchased the 1853 Homer House at 661 Pleasant Street to save it from destruction. The land was originally owned in the 1600s by Belmont's founder, Roger Wellington. In the early 1800s, it was owned by Roger's great-great-grandson, Jeduthun Wellington, Jr. Jeduthun had several daughters, but women could not own land at the time, so he sold the parcel to his daughter, Mary Maria's husband, Samuel Mead, for $500. Mary and Samuel built a federal colonial house and later sold the property to William Flagg Homer, who was married to Mary's sister, Adeline. Homer soon moved the Mead House to Concord Avenue, and in 1853 built the Grand House that still stands today in Belmont's Pleasant Street Historic District. The Homer House is a stunning example of period architecture, but it is also well known as a place that served as inspiration and backdrop for the early work of famed American artist Winslow Homer, William Flagg Homer's nephew. Winslow lived a block away in a more modest home, but spent countless hours at the Homer House and incorporated the property in his art, including his well-known croquet paintings. Over the years, women's club members have donated their time and money to preserve the Homer House as an important part of Belmont's history. The club is comprised of volunteers who raise funds through membership fees, fundraisers, and function rentals. Last year's major fundraiser, Dancing with the Belmont Stars, was a sold-out success and will take place again next year on April 3rd. Many Belmont celebrities have already signed up for their chance to win the Golden Trophy. And now over to Max. Thanks, Thomas. 
Most Teens Are Worried About Climate Change Poll Reports by Sarah Kaplan and Emily Guskin. In a coastal town in Washington State, climate change has a high school junior worried about the floods that keep deluging his school. A 17-year-old from Texas says global warming scares him so much he can't even think about it. But across the country, teens are channeling their anxieties into activism. Fear, said Maryland 16-year-old Madeline Graham, an organizer of a student protest plan for this week, is a commodity we don't have time for if we're going to win the fight. A solid majority of American teenagers are convinced that humans are changing the Earth's climate and believe that it will harm them personally and other members of their generation, according to a Washington Post-Kaiser Family Foundation poll. Roughly one in four have participated in a walkout, attended a rally, or written to a public official to express their views on global warming. Remarkable levels of activism for a group that has not yet reached voting age. The poll is the first major survey of teenagers' views since the explosion of the youth climate movement last year. Inspired by 16-year-old Greta Thunberg, whose year-long strike in front of the Swedish parliament and carbon-neutral sailboat voyage across the Atlantic have made her an activist icon, growing numbers of teens have been skipping school on Fridays to protest on behalf of something they say is more important. This week, in the run-up to to a major United Nations summit, hundreds of thousands of students planned to abandon their classrooms to demand more aggressive measures to protect the planet. People feel very guilty when a child says, you are stealing my future. That has impact, Thunberg told the Post. We have definitely made people open their eyes. More than seven in 10 teenagers and young adults say climate change will cause a moderate or great deal of harm to people in their generation, a slightly higher percentage than than among those 30 and older. By the time today's high schoolers turn 30, scientists say the world must achieve a, quote, rapid and far-reaching, unquote, transformation of society to avoid warming's most dire consequences. Several teenagers are already feeling the effects. Gabe Lopez, 16, of Everett, Washington, said warming waters have taken a financial toll on relatives who fish in the Pacific. Graham who lives in Silver Spring, Maryland, was inspired to take action after seeing hurricanes bombard Puerto Rico, North Carolina, and the Bahamas, and watching floods repeatedly deluge her grandmother's home in Elliott City, Maryland. Both Lopez and Graham said thinking about climate change makes them afraid, an emotion they share with 57% of teens nationwide. Fewer than a third of teens say they are optimistic. A lot of of it is connected to being a kid, Lopez said. We can't vote. We don't have anyone to represent us. Adults, he said, don't seem to take the issue as seriously or personally as people his age. Adults think, oh, you're so young, you don't know what you're talking about, he said. But I know the facts, and I know what the most drastic consequences will be. I know that people aren't doing what needs to be done. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. More than half the tigers saved from a Thai temple reported dead by Tassani Vapongsa. More than half the tigers rescued three years ago from a Buddhist temple in Thailand where they served as a popular tourist attraction have died of disease, wildlife officials said Monday. The tigers were vulnerable to illness because of inbreeding, leading to 
a paralysis causing respiratory failure, said National Parks official Paterolpol Namiron. 86 of the 147 rescued tigers kept at government-run wildlife sanctuaries have died. The DNA of all 147 confiscated tigers could be traced to six tigers who were the original breeding stock, said Paterolpol head of the department's Wildlife uh, Health Management Division. Such inbreeding affects their well-being, resulting in disabilities and weakened health condition, he said in a news conference. And when they have weakened genetic traits, they also have problems with their immune system as well. The temple is in the western province of Kanchanaburi, uh, and it served for more than a decade as a de facto zoo where tourists could feed tigers and pose for photos with them. Despite concerns about possible mistreatments and suspicions of wildlife trafficking, police said they found tiger skins and teeth and at least 1,500 amulets made from tiger bones when they raided the temple, as well as 60 cub carcasses stuffed in freezes and formaldehyde found in jars. Tiger pots, such as ground bones, are popular as traditional medicine in China uh, and also Asia. Tiger hides uh, can sell for tens of thousands of dollars in China. There are estimated to be more than 1,000 tigers in captivity in Thailand, but only about 200 in the wild, out of a global wild population of about 4,000. Paterolpol said that Thai authorities would do their best to care for the surviving rescued tigers. And now over to Thomas. Thank you, Bob. Chenery Students to Begin Composting by Joanna K. Tsuvelis. Beginning this fall, all students eating in the Chenery Middle School cafeteria will begin composting their uneaten food, compostable trays, and napkins. This has been a goal of Belmont's PTA-PTO Green Alliance with the elimination of styrofoam trays from all Belmont public schools. In spring 2017, 864 Chenery Middle School students and staff signed a petition advocating for the elimination of styrofoam trays. This petition led to the use of compostable trays in the Chenery cafeteria and trash bashers who volunteer to oversee 5th and 6th graders as they pour their liquids into a bucket, recycle the container it was in, along with any other recyclable lunch packaging, tip their lunch trays to throw away any remaining waste, and stack their trays in a neat pile to reduce the amount of space taken up in trash barrels. Starting this school year, trash bashers will be overseeing all four grades at the Chenery as they continue doing what the 5th and 6th graders have been doing, with the addition of a trash barrel with a locking lid lined with a compostable bag labeled compost food scraps. The filled compost barrels will be stored in an area outside of the chinnery where full trash barrels are also stored. The compost will be picked up twice weekly by Black Earth of Gloucester, which turns food waste into garden compost material. According to chinnery principal Michael McAllister, they are starting with a pilot to see how it goes. Quote, we will give this an honest try and work out the logistics along the way to see if we can create a system that is sustainable over time, unquote, he said. He admits because it is a new initiative, there will be growing pains. 
Quote, the first hurdle for people to get over is the misconception that composting is gross or smelly, he said. He thinks it can be done in a clean and efficient way for everyone involved. The challenge is ensuring that everyone is educated on why it is important and then how to do it correctly, said McAllister. According to Green Alliance Chairman Cabell Eames, the cost of the pilot is less than $3,000. This is a discounted rate because of residential sign-ups collected by Belmont Composts. Quote, Black Earth Compost donated partial funds to the Chenery for every residential sign-up, and that brought our cost down significantly. In fact, Belmont had the most residential sign-ups in support of the school than any other town or city in the state, said Eames. McAllister said the cost of the pilot will be funded through the school budget. And now back to Max. Thank you, Thomas. Town seeking private entity to build, operate new rink by Joanna Kate Suvelis. The town is preparing to send out a request for proposal, RFP, for public-private partnership to secure a private entity to construct, operate, and maintain a new year-round skating rink on the Belmont High School campus. Residents will have the opportunity to learn more about the RFP and provide input at a public hearing that was held on September 16th at the Beach Street Center and at the select board meeting that was held on September 23rd and school committee meeting, which is today, September 24th. A draft of the RFP license will be made available to the public before the hearing. The select, board will re the select Board reviewed the draft of the RFP and lease on September 23rd, and there will be another opportunity for the public to weigh in. On September 24th, the School Committee and Select Board will vote on the final draft of the RFP. The RFP will be published in the Central Register on September 25th and advertised in the Belmont Citizen Herald on September 26th. If a finalist is chosen, on November 13th, town meeting will vote to lease the site to a private entity and amend the zoning bylaw. A two-thirds vote will be required for both actions. On November 26th, the school committee will award the contract of the winning proposal. The RFP encourages re respondents to consider the town's preferences for the facility to accommodate and support multi-generational training competitive and recreational skating needs of all Belmont residents and BHS hockey athletes. The respondents will need to specify the hours of operation, proposed hours available for use by town residents and local organizations, proposed use for town resident youth hockey and figure skating programs, as well as adult hockey leagues. The least drafted lists the lease drafted lists the Belmont High School scheduling requirement as Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, 2.45 to 4.45 p.m., and Wednesday, 2.30 to 3.30 p.m. It also starts BHS home games shall be scheduled to start no later than 8 p.m. The lease also states public skating shall be scheduled at least two hours per week on Saturday or Sunday between noon and 4 p.m., December 1st through March 31st. Also, the lease states Belmont Youth Hockey shall be entitled to the same number of primetime and non-primetime hours it used during the 2008-2019 hockey season. The RFP draft requires the private entity to build a facility with a maximum of one and one-half sheets of ice 
to minimize building lot coverage and to also accommodate three regulation junior varsity grass athletic fields for baseball, so softball, and soccer, two throwing circles, shot put and discus, and 110 parking spaces, 90 for student use and 20 for daytime use of the facility. The fields and throwing circles would be constructed by the town, but the private entity would be responsible for leaving the area for the fields and throwing circles roughly graded to a predetermined elevation. The RFP includes three options for site access determined by a traffic study conducted by the BSC group. Two of the options will require the private entity to do additional road work, such as opening the median at the respondent's expense to avoid creating a traffic configuration that necessitates U-turns on Concord Ave. The RFP requires applicants to include a detailed description of how the construction and operation of the facility will be financed as well as how it will be managed. The draft of the detailed lease will be included in the RFP once finalized as a 20-year lease com commencing on July 1, 2020 and expiring June 30, 2040. At the end of the term of this lease, the town has the right to exercise its discretion to, e to extend the term of the lease for an additional five-year term commencing July 1, 2040 and ending June 30, 2045. At the end of any first extension period, the town will have the discretion to extend an additional five years. The detailed lease drafted includes the duties of the private entity, how the interior and exterior of the premises are to be maintained, and the financial responsibilities of the private entity. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Setta's Cafe Shuts Its Doors by Joanna K. Zavallis. Paula Rosenstock of Brighton was looking forward to having lunch at Setta's Cafe in Belmont with her mother on September the 12th. But when she arrived, she learned it was no longer in business. We discovered Setta's a few years ago, and the food is delicious. Delicious Armenian food, said Rosenstock. I'm so sad to hear that they were closing. A handwritten note by the owner, Setter Dacasian of Cambridge, posted on the front door to Setter's read, All good things must come to an end. It breaks my heart to say that I am closing my doors. Our last day was Saturday, September the 7th. Dacasian would not comment on why she decided to close. A sale of most of the stock in the cafe included china, pots, baking pans, paper goods, and more was held on September 11th and 12th. Heather Schmidt of Medford purchased many of the items for the sale to use in the restaurant she plans to open in Malden. She said it's sad to lose such a wonderful business in the neighborhood. She said the warm, welcoming environment and community Seta created was very special and will be missed. She's glad she could give a new home to some of Seta's Cafe's dishes. Nancy Kasabanian of Malden, chairman of the St. James Armenian Church Bazaar uh, Pastry Table, also purchased some items from the sale, some of which were donated by Darkasian of the church. Kabazian said that she learned about Seta's closing on Facebook. I feel bad because it's nice to have an Armenian bakery and restaurant in the area where I can take guests for a quick sandwich or authentic meal of pastry, she said. 
but she's happy for Sutter and hopes she will follow her dreams. And now over to Thomas. Thanks, Bob. Hillside Gardens Under New Ownership by Joanna Cade Savellis. When, excuse me, when store closing signs went up outside Hillside Gardens at 280 Blanchard Road in late August, many residents were unhappy. The stores served the community since the 1940s, according to Audrey Di Giovanni. The store closing sign quickly changed to under new ownership. Di Giovanni and her husband Jerry purchased the retail end of the business, which was on sale for $589,000 on August 29th. Jerry's father, Vincent, who passed away three years ago, started Hillside Gardens. Jerry worked at Hillside Gardens from the age of 16 up until 1991, when he became the owner of Turf Equipment Company on the same lot of land. Audrey Giovanni said she has plans to change the store in the near future by adding more niche products produced locally by vendors such as Gromit. Everything in the store and outside in the garden must be liquidated and is on sale for 10 to 50% off. The property where Hillside Gardens and Turf Equipment Company are located was recently for sale for $7.4 million, but is now no longer on the market. And one more time back to Max. Thanks, Thomas. First Church in Belmont calls new minister. On May 5th, the Congregation of the First Church in Belmont Unitarian Universalist rose, voted to call the Reverend Chris Holton Jablonski as its settled minister. He will replace the Reverend David Bryce, who retired at the end of June after 10 years. Jablonski was previously at South Church in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where he served as co-minister with his wife, the Reverend Lauren Smith. Prior to that, Jablonski was Minister of Religious Education at the Unitarian Universalist Church of Berkeley in Kensington, California. Since 2015, he has also served as Island Minister for the Star Island Retreat Center in Rye, New Hampshire. He is a graduate of Boston University and the Star King School for the Ministry. I see the circumference of the church as being very wide, Jablonski said. We are woven with the community that surrounds us. I love the power of our communities to be a source of transformation and growth for people and the world. Smith was appointed Director of Stewardship and Development at the Unitarian Universalist Association in February. She and Jablonski will ha have three children, Ben, 11, Jack, 10, and Aaliyah, 3. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues Thomas and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings around Belmont.